This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It has begun! Welcome to the Realmcast. I am the Mortal Kombat fan, Tim, from the Mortal Kombat group on Facebook. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Yanni, the lore master from the Mortal Kombat meme realm. Welcome, Yanni. Thank you very much, Phantom. All right. So today we actually got a very special guest with us, uh, don't we, Yanni? I am so excited to talk to him. <laughs> we got Chris Casamasa coming on. He is the original Scorpion from Mortal Kombat the movie. Um, everybody remembers 1993's Mortal Kombat live action movie. Before we start talking to him, let's go in a little bit into the newest Mortal Kombat movie, Scorpion's Revenge. Yanni, I assume you finished it? <laughs> I did, I did. Uh, I quite enjoyed it, actually. Uh, how about you? I liked it. Um, I, I'm, As you know, I'm a big fan of the old one, the 1993 movie. So um, I felt like it had a, a good, you know, kind of connection to that. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is a Scorpion-only movie. They're focusing on Scorpion. It's going to be just a Scorpion storyline. But they actually went a lot into the tournament and stuff, too, which was was pretty cool yeah it was an interesting method of retelling the story whilst putting more of a focus on scorpion Mm -hmm. it was was pretty well handled i feel yeah and i I know everybody in the community is always you know a little oversaturated with the scorpion (laughs) being (laughs) part of everything everything (laughs) (laughs) i mean Um, don't get me wrong i'm still on that i'm still on that front but yeah. I do appreciate this, you know. <laughs> he is he is one of my favorite characters, but I completely understand because he, everything. I mean, I'm looking around the the statues and stuff I get with Mortal Kombat, and it's all Scorpion stuff. <laughs> it's literally all Scorpion. Like I th- I think that one of the <clears throat> appeals of Scorpion is that whilst he's the poster boy of Mortal Kombat, he always related to the story in a sort of roundabout way, sort of mm-hmm. directly yet at the same time indirectly, you know? And I feel that we're losing some of that allure by pushing him to the front of the series. But the this movie did a good job of of doing that. I mean, even though it's, it's based on him, he's like that background character that you're following throughout the, the Mortal Kombat story. Yeah, that, that, I think it was a very interesting way of doing it, actually. Um, he... Well, the, the way they started off, you know, is sort of little origin story for him. It was it was a good, uh, again, retelling of the Scorpion mm-hmm. origin. Uh, I, I was a bit surprised that they didn't really go with the mythologies sort of approach. Yeah, yeah. That would have been cool to see. <laughs> it, it was it was cool because um, it was like, it was, uh, you've seen Mortal Kombat Legacy. So it, it was like that. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they obviously took some inspiration from that. That's exactly what I thought when I saw it. It, it. Like that whole setup. I mean, of course, I had the cool anime style art and everything like that. But um, seeing Scorpion's family killed in front of him, and uh, yeah, it was it was a hundred percent legacy at the beginning. <laughs> uh, apart from the fact that they got his 
his wife and ch- uh, child's name correct this time. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask about that because uh, you had mentioned that on the last episode a little bit. Um, can you go into that a little bit more about the names? Well, I I can't remember the name that they gave his wife in Legacy, but I'm pretty sure that they called his son Jube in Legacy. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. his wife in the lore, as far as I know, have always been Harumi and uh, Satoshi. Mm. So now we did get the the Legacy approach to Hanzo actually becoming Scorpion, watching his clan die and everything. But they they did stick with the names, at least, so that was great. <laughs> and it was yeah. kind of brutal in how it all happened. It was a great starting to the movie. Yeah, it was. It got you hooked and kind of kept the momentum going throughout the whole the whole story. The, those beginning fight scenes, like the amount of gore and bloodiness to it, it was kind of great. <laughs> oh, yeah, they definitely went all out with that. Like, just chopping people's heads in half. <laughs> <laughs> They're they're dead already. They're dead already. Stop! Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was it was very Mortal Kombat. Um, the one thing, my my biggest thing I didn't like about this, and I kind of touched on it, of course, in the last episode, was Johnny Cage. Um, you know, in the, the Mortal Kombat series of video games, um, especially the Mortal Kombat Nine, the uh, the Warner Brothers version, and the Mortal Kombat movies, Johnny Cage is this cool like cocky um hero that you you love him but you kind of hate him at the same time yeah but in scorpion's revenge he was a a punching bag like a gag line and they continuously punched him in the nuts and (laughs) literally yeah and i I was just like, oh, come on. This is Johnny Cage. He punches people in the nuts. People yeah, punch him exactly. in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Every time it happened, I was like, "Why? What, shouldn't this be the other way around? Yeah, same here. <laughs> so, I mean, I was a little disappointed with that. I mean, to to, to their credit, they got Johnny. They, they, they did him justice in how he was funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like, it wasn't an accurate portrayal of how of the Johnny that we would that we know and how he's actually a hero and I mean just the fact that they started off with his whole place being a like he's a slob you know what I mean all of that like it looks like he's <laughs> he's he's starting to not do well and everything but we at this point in time we, I guess we wanted to see him in a more sort of successful kind of position and actually being Johnny I didn't mind that because you know, him joining the tournament was his chance to prove that his stunts aren't fake and that his his special effects, like his the green glow and things like that, that those weren't fake abilities and to be able to showcase what he can actually do by winning Mortal Kombat. So I didn't mind that he was kind of like on a downslope in his career and his personality was there. Um, but as the story continued, it was just you wanted to see Johnny, you know, fight and be yes. Johnny Cage. And, and when they when they finally let him join in in a fight with Sonya and and she's like, oh, you can actually fight, like that was a great scene. But they kind of I don't know they just kind of bashed it into your head. Yeah, that, <laughs> that he was a, a joke. A joke. Yeah, he's a joke. <laughs> it's a shame. It really is because I mean he's not my favorite character, but I still think that they could have done him proper justice. Hmm. I guess besides that, let's talk about Liu Kang. <laughs> <laughs> Where to start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The chosen one. Well, he is in this movie. <laughs> I mean, okay, it was it was always going to be difficult to put Lou in 
this sort of role when really he's been the hero up until, well, I mean, you know, Deadly Alliance. But mm -hmm. I think Lou wasn't handled too well, but not too badly either. He was still and Liu Kang. Let's let's go ahead and just jump into spoilers. So for anybody who hasn't had the chance to watch Scorpion's Revenge yet, you can go ahead and fast forward <laughs> um, because we are going to be talking spoilers here for the ending and how it kind of affects Mortal Kombat lore as a whole. And and uh, as we kind of talked about last week too, it, it affects all these new viewers that are coming into Mortal Kombat. This is the Mortal Kombat that they know now. And uh, it, it changes everything. <laughs> yes. So you might want to skip ahead if you haven't seen this yet. All right, so Liu Kang is supposed to be this champion of Mortal Kombat, and he's trained his whole life for this tournament. He has been personally attended to by Raiden, the Thunder God, protector of Earthrealm. And long story short... <laughs> descendant of Kung Lao. Yeah, descendant of Kung Lao, the great Kung Lao, you know? The one who won every tournament and, until Goro showed up. See, saying that... They did a good job with Goro in showing his strength yeah. until that moment where Scorpion turns up. But let's get let's build up to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I felt like Liu Kang's character was actually good. They they handled Liu Kang properly. Uh, he did seem like Liu Kang in comparison to how Johnny didn't really feel like Johnny. Oh, and by the way, the voice acting through all these characters was great. Um, you had Joel, Joel McHale was doing Johnny Cage. Well, we had Patrick Seitz re return, Steve Bloom return for Scorpion Sub. And I don't actually know who was Raiden's voice actor because he was amazing. I I, I love current Raiden in the, like this iteration of the games, but wow, Raiden's voice acting in this movie was amazing. I would not mind getting more of this Raiden. He seemed a lot darker. This is the kind of voice that I expected for Dark Raiden, for example. So Raiden was actually voiced by um, Dave B. Mitchell. He is mostly does uh, different animations. Um, so he, he has a lot of experience in animation studios. Um, and then he did uh, Garrus and Sector in Mortal Kombat 11. Ah, yes, that was it. Yeah, he's, he's good. Well, he did an amazing <laughs> Raiden, in my opinion. And then uh, back to Liu Kang, um, that was Jordan Rod Rodriguez. Mm. He has been in a lot of feature films. So He did well as Liu Kang. I, I enjoyed his uh, his voice acting. Me too. I, I really did. You know, he even managed to do a lot of the Bruce Lee yells yeah, and stuff. He really and, managed those. Yeah, I was like, all right, <laughs> this, is, this is a good Liu Kang. And it was good to see Jennifer Carpenter as Sonya Blade, especially after Mortal Kombat 11. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? Why after Mortal Kombat? Oh, because of uh, well, Mortal Kombat 11. Yes. Sonya. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want to give too many bad callouts, but at the same time, it wasn't the best Sonya we've had in terms of voice acting abilities. <laughs> now, if, if Ronda Rousey, if you ever want to come on and uh, we can talk about being Sonya, we're fine. Hey, with she that. did actually have a pretty cool uh, post on. I think it was on Twitter uh, of her like cosplaying yeah. Sonya. That looks pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I saw that. It was on her Instagram too. She. Uh, did one of the the current TikTok memes where she, you know, slides her hat over top of the camera and then she removes it and she's dressed as Sonya Blade. I was like, oh, that's right, pretty cool. I did enjoy that. I like the little energy blast at the end too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I I think the movie was was fun, but there were obviously a lot of inconsistent lore points. I mean, one one huge part was that you, which you mentioned as a positive for me was a negative. 
which was that they took a lot of influence from the the movie, the original movie. And I see this happening a lot now, not just with this movie, but also with the game. That they, they did the exact same thing with the game, and it kind of blurs the line in terms of continuity. So, for example, in this movie, how many people were actually at the tournament when in reality, as far as we know, it should have just been a select few chosen fighters, right? And Right, because you had people like Nitara in there, didn't yeah, you? That, that, I mean, Nitara, I get it, was a nice little Easter egg. That was pretty cool. It was nice to see her. It's <laughs> nice to see, hey, the 3D era exists, you know? <laughs> but I mean, in terms of a million other people in that uh, on the island, that 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 shouldn't be something that is actually happening in Mortal Kombat. That was just something they did for the movie. Well, that's so that, you know, we can have people get killed yeah. <laughs> in Mortal uh, Kombat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then that, that actually caused an issue for me because you see a saurian one of reptile species now they're supposed to pretty much be extinct so uh, my theory is they were after the tournament because <laughs> so many of them fought and were killed off <laughs> no just kidding <laughs> but then I, I don't remember where I read this but apparently they don't want to confirm that reptile who, spoiler alert, dies against Sonya Blade, was not actually Reptile. That was just a random Zaterran. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I assume that probably was if they're going to be using, if they're going to make a sequel to this, which it seems they are definitely planning on it because of the way the whole movie ended. But that's a bit confusing because then apparently they are confirming that Baraka died against Johnny Cage, who literally did not throw a single punch at Baraka. Really? I didn't hear about that. I didn't know that was Baraka. I thought that was just uh, a random Apparently, uh, th- this is just me going off of what I've been reading, to be honest. And also, what they're giving me to work with. It, you know, if you're watching a movie and Baraka <laughs> turns up dressed as Baraka, and I'm not just calling him a random Tarkatan because he's wearing Baraka's clothes, his iconic outfit, as well as Reptile doing the exact same thing. The But Tark- Tarkatans have kind of been featured in uh, Mortal Kombat all the way back to Fate's beginning, uh, Mortal Kombat animation. So they are you know, they kind of fall into that random bad guy that we can use. The, the oh, random for sure. I just, uh, the reason I, I just don't see that being a random character is because he's literally wearing Baraka's clothes. The Tarkatans outside of Baraka yeah. tend to wear sort of, I guess, support, like slightly more tribal designs. And they kind of emphasize that even in Mortal Kombat 11. Whereas Baraka has always had this mm-hmm. general look to him, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's very that's weird to point. see that. I mean, for for all we know, Baraka is not actually Baraka, and Reptile is not actually Reptile. They are just random Turkatan and Saurians. But that is a bit of a weird approach to take because at the same time, this is supposed to be the Mortal Kombat tournament, which everything is riding on for Shang for Shang Tsung, and as a result, Shao Kahn. Why are they going to use random Tarkatan and Zaterans? Right? You want to win, yeah. don't you? So why are you going to use random people? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. But then that. That sort of leads into further inconsistencies, which is like, how could people just randomly start fights? And then how could people just interrupt them? You know, isn't the entire point that it's supposed to be and, this set tournament of fights? And I think that's an issue we're going to have in every single Mortal Kombat movie, because how do you I mean, unless they go back to like a, a blood sport type format, like the mm. Jean-Claude Van Damme's old movie, how are you going to have a tournament? And kind of build up these scenes based on on well, fighting. I, mean, you know? I think they took a good approach with it. <clears throat> they just didn't do it properly. So this whole thing of your fights have been chosen and then teleporting them to where they were going to fight, that was a really good idea. 
But the way it was yeah. done was it also seemed that people could just randomly start a fight. It's like, you know, that meme of Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat 9 be like, a challenge, you know, like somebody just starting a random challenge with somebody. <laughs> it, it, you figure out one way for them to start the fights, to actually start the fights in the tournament and stick to it. Don't just randomly throw stuff in and then have people possibly interrupt them, as is the case with Scorpion at the end of the movie. We're talking about the end of the <laughs> beginning, but here we go. Scorpion literally just interrupting Liu Kang and Goro's fight by spearing Goro's brain through well from behind basically <laughs> literally pulling out his brain and it's like what how are you just interrupting this fight is it supposed to be a free-for-all or is everybody supposed to fight i feel like i'm going on a sort of rant here but you and, get where i'm going with this right <laughs> not just that but your chosen warrior Liu kang is destroyed by the end of this movie fighting goro he is in no condition at all so that it alone I mean, it, it messes up. Liu Kang combat. is supposed to be this <laughs> almost untouchable fighter. And okay, like, right. I've, I, I, I now, like when they show that Liu is just, you know, not, not some, well, god pretty much, you know? Like, yeah, he's meant to be an amazing fighter, an amazing warrior who has protected Earthrealm, but I've, I've always loved how this, uh, Deadly Alliance handled it because they killed him off. They, sh they showed the, the courage to kill off. Mm -hmm. The, the, well, one of the faces of Mortal Kombat and technically the strongest fighter. Like, oh no, what happens next? I like that approach, but I felt that it was handled right. very badly. Why doesn't Liu lose to Goro and then Scorpion comes in? Why is Scorpion able to just interrupt them, literally, by killing Goro? His, his, his inclusion in that fight was just to turn up and kill Goro. Well, my problem is if Liu loses his fight, then there's no problem for a sequel. Mortal Kombat 2 doesn't need to happen because... Uh, Earth Realm is lost, so they can successfully be uh, invaded yeah. now. But at the same time, what if they had just done it in such a way where Scorpion was actually fighting for Earth Realm? You know? Yeah, true. But that's another that's another inconsistency that's always followed. I mean, you can see that with the whole Borai Cho thing about how he's apparently not allowed to fight for Earth Realm because of his Outworld origins. Yet at the same time, we have Scorpion fighting for. Well, Shang Tsung, Quan Chi, Shao Kahn, whatever, you know, they keep switching things up. Even Kano at the same time, right? <laughs> so it makes no sense there. But then, uh -huh. oh, speaking of Kano, another inconsistency. Why is Kano allowed to invade the island with the Black Dragon? If only certain yeah. people can get to the island, yeah. it's an obvious breach of the rules. So, so what is going on? <laughs> Why are they suddenly fighting? You know, you know what it is? It's literally just this whole military crap that I mentioned on the last episode too. There was so much pandering again with Sonya and Jax, as well as now with the Black Dragon. It's literally just a way to show the whole soldier theme. And it's so irritating. That reminds me, Jax. Um, so he loses his arms <laughs> right away. But... From Goro, which I think was a great scene, and I I kind of wish they had done that in Mortal Kombat Nine. Just had Goro do it rather than uh, Ermac being the one to remove Jax's arms. I wouldn't have switched them, but I do like how they did it in this ep in this movie. I do too. I do too. I thought it was I thought it was a great scene. Like it built a lot of suspense, a lot of tension, and kind of gave Sonya more of a reason to be there. Um, and and you know the. I, I don't remember if it was like this in the games, but during the old movie, Sonya was always after Kano because Kano killed her partner. Um, and this, you know, making Jax into that role of of Sonya's revenge kind of helped uh, progress her story a little bit in, in a different way. And I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think this was a great way to take Sonya. 
it was good to see Sonia's story sort of elaborated on in a different way. Firstly, with a good voice actor or voice actress, sorry. <laughs> uh, but it was nice to see this sort of approach. I did like this sort of retelling. That's why when I when I, I understand that this movie itself had a different approach to it. And I have no problem with certain things changing. I like that. I expected it. But what I don't appreciate are, are ch changes that sort of make, well, are inconsistent, as we're seeing with the whole starting fights thing, interrupting things, the Black Dragon breaking the rules of Mortal Kombat. Like, that's where the Elder Gods should come in, right? Like, oh, Shao Kahn has broken the rules. It's obvious that Kano is working for Shang Tsung, who in turn is working for Shang Shao Kahn. Why are the Elder Gods not stepping in? So... In the, the realm of Mortal Kombat, our lore master, he's the keeper of the rules, and <laughs> he's the one that has the rule book. He, he comes out middle of a fight. Uh, sorry, <laughs> paragraph five, section three says that Scorpion cannot enter into this battle. <laughs> well, I mean, they showed off this whole thing of people not being able to interrupt Goro and Jax's fight and then never used it again. Yeah. Why did all the fights not have that? Why? Why are there no boundaries to all the rest of the arenas like why is johnny cage's entire fight him running through a building which is falling down oh i know and yeah or <laughs> you know his his weapon of choice was the frying yeah, yeah, pan yeah, that, i have like, no problem with that he like we said earlier <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's so comical yeah like, no i he's agree just a joke it's such a shame and that's, that's he, all. he deserved a lot more of this <laughs> in this uh, movie so let me ask you then, uh, would you recommend this movie? Uh, honestly, yes, I would. Um, I would definitely recommend watching the movie, but bearing in mind that it's not an accurate retelling or portrayal of the the uh, the actual lore behind Mortal Kombat. This is not the Mortal Kombat story. This is a retelling of it. And it, it's done in a cool way, but don't expect everything to be 100% you know, well thought through. Uh, the art style, in my opinion was nice but a bit too blocky there's a bit there's like two scenes that stick out in my mind where sonia for example is running at reptile or quote-unquote reptile and her face is like huge <laughs> and this big like te her teeth are bared and everything it looks absolutely hilarious but then there's also where she takes off reptile's head which was a really cool scene by the way but then mm -hmm. the head is on the floor and it literally looks like a block oh i didn't even notice that I expected a bit more. Like, the animation itself was honestly amazing. The style, not so much. There was a lot of mixing of animation styles, it seemed. They had that Warner Brother aesthetic, and then they also included, like, some Japanese-style anime. And then kind of did their own thing on some parts of it. It, it was a interesting mix, I thought. And I kind of wonder if um, how much of this was hand-drawn versus how much of it was computer-generated. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting thought, actually. Because that, you know, that affects a lot because mostly the animations that we see these days are computer generated, even the ones that look hand drawn. So if they were hand drawing a lot of this, they might have taken a couple shortcuts or, um, you know, kind of uh, hired out some of the animation. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm actually curious to hear the actual answer behind that. Uh, that, that is an interesting thought. But I, I did really appreciate the animations. I just didn't appreciate the actual style chosen. I mean, we have a we have a scorpion retelling. We have a scorpion story, and we have Sub Zero in it for how many minutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was barely in it, and that's such a shame. I was, I, I'm, I, I think I can speak for everybody. We were all expecting more Sub Zero, more between Scorp and Sub. Sub Zero seemed like the 
He just seemed like he got caught up in a bad situation on accident. Had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like you killed my family and clan, and Sub Zero's eyebrows just raised. Like what? <laughs> like literally, his eyebrows like, who, went who, up. Like who what are, you? are you talking about? <laughs> no, that's. A gr- I love that. That was hilarious. <laughs> but we should have had way more. You know, like we we barely saw any Sub Zero. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm worried about with Mortal Kombat's direction. Sub Zero used to get so much focus. But now it's all Scorpion, when really, mm-hmm. in my opinion, Scorpion and Sub-Zero are the true faces, plural, of Mortal Kombat. We have a Mortal Kombat Mythologies game. Fire and Ice. Fire and Ice was in the works. We had one of the huge selling points of Mortal Kombat 11 was seeing Scorpion and Sub-Zero working together. Why is Sub-Zero being ignored like this? Yeah. It's, it's honestly such a shame. And then, okay, the death was cool, I suppose, but... I mean, not fitting to the characters. It was just a random movie death, to be honest. Falling onto, being impaled on a random spike. Okay, yeah, it was mm-hmm. the pit. That was cool. Fair enough, actually. Thinking about that, Mortal Kombat. That is true. But <laughs> I was expecting more with the characters, you know? More, something, a fight more fitting of the characters with their powers and use a lot more. But Sub-Zero dies from the injuries, and Scorpion does not. This was a great opportunity to showcase their powers, showcase them fighting, like yeah. do a whole bunch of different ice stuff. I mean, you got a guy who can literally freeze the ground and and make clones of himself. <laughs> and we didn't see any of that. Right. We, we just saw a bit of ice and then mostly just fighting and Scorpion's anger, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which we see a lot. <laughs> but how is Sub-Zero dying to that fall? But then Scorpion is not only not dying... He's he's getting up, walking away, killing Goro, taking Shang Tsung hostage, and then killing Quan Chi. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I I I like that part of it because it shows you know Scorpion's whole thing was the the wrathful, too angry uh, to die, vengeful spirit. Yeah, too angry to die, and him getting impaled on that on the spike, and then getting out of there like. That was that was the same thing. It's just he redirected his anger, he redirected his vengeance, and he has a new target now, which was Quan Chi, because Quan Chi can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Why is Quan Chi telling him? He he does it all the time. Like <laughs> oh, honestly, I will never understand this. That like that Mortal Kombat four ending that we talked about last episode, how Quan Chi is telling uh-huh. Scorpion, or well, Sub Zero basically that it was me who did all of this, blah blah blah, and Scorpion's just going up. And killing him. Like, why is Quan Chi saying anything? Quan Chi, this man just died and resurrected in the Nether Realm. What is to stop that from happening again? The <laughs> Nether Realm is basically your home at this point. <laughs> He's going to spawn where you live. <laughs> you know? Well, in, in what universe, in what world, no, in what realm is it a good idea to tell the Hell Wraith that you were mm-hmm. the one for to, who caused all his pain? yeah (laughs) it it makes no sense (laughs) but the fight between him and scorpion was actually amazing i did really like that i i know we're giving this a lot of crap but it was honestly a good fight we're just picking at the inconsistencies yeah overall i loved it i i i too would recommend it i think it was a great movie um not something you want to show your kids of course unless you know you guys can handle that sort of thing but um it, it was fun it it had a good story to it and like, if you're looking for something Mortal Kombat-y with a lot of blood and guts, you've got it right here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see Mortal Kombat in a 
in a different uh, on a different medium you know it's we have the games and everything and i've always thought that mortal kombat should be a series rather than movies yes yeah. so when i heard about legacy for example i was so happy but this this is great i'd love to see more animations animations is a perfect place for mortal kombat to be portrayed as long as we get something a bit more uh, consistent in terms of lore, but at the same time, it's Mortal Kombat. I'm I'm happy to support it. You know, I I want more Mortal Kombat. I always do, so I highly recommend it too. So we had a bunch of comments and questions on our last episode. Everybody wanted to know when was it that Raiden was referred to as a demigod. So I think it was Mortal Kombat's 11 story, wasn't it, where they uh, referred to him as a demigod? But it was in Mortal Kombat 11 story. I think Kronika. Um, refers to Raid um, as a uh, as a demigod, but uh, that before we get to that, there was a point as well in the prelude to Mortal Kombat 11's release, where I'm pretty sure, by pretty sure, I saw it. <laughs> uh, the official Mortal Kombat 11 uh, Mortal Kombat Facebook page actually did post a picture of Raiden saying demigod. There were a few people confused by this, including myself. Now it seems that that's not up anymore, so I'm, I'm assuming they realized the error, which is which is good. I'm I'm glad that they did. Then also, on Fourth Snake and my discussion specifically on that topic, they had said, they had mentioned it in the story mode, and the way that this has been addressed is that Kronika was talking down to Raiden, putting putting him down and saying, "You're not even a proper god. You're a demigod," just as a sort of insult. That's also something that we got a little bit of clarification from our friends over at the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia. Um, Sean Kittleston had spoke to them and informed them that this was more of a Kronika's way of using a slur than actual a title for Raiden. So, of, of course, in the story mode, this caused a lot of confusion for people reading it because they don't know that that's a slur and they just hear <laughs> one god telling another god that they are now or they are a demigod. And that's kind of where some of those presumptions came from as well as like Yanni said, the, uh, the posts uh, leading up to Mortal Kombat 11's release that coupled together, that creates a bit of confusion. And I actually think that the choice to use it as a sort of slur was not a good one, to be honest. Um, it's as, as we can see now, it's created some confusion, even based on the fact that <laughs> Fourth snake and I went into detail on it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Apparently, it was just meant as a slur. Uh, they have gone on to confirm this, but I just, myself, I don't think that it was the right approach to take uh, with trying to put down Raiden. But there we go. That's that's a bit of elaboration on that, since many of you were asking. Yeah, there are so many questions on that as, as far as uh, comments that we had received. So, yep, just quick clarification. All right. Now, with that, should we get our guest on the phone? Yes, let's do it. All right. With us today, we got a very special guest. I'd like to welcome on Chris Casamassa. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here, guys. Very happy to have you. <laughs> Normally, whenever we bring a guest on, I would ask them how has Mortal Kombat affected them. But, you know, I'd say for you, <laughs> it's affected you in a lot of ways. <laughs> Absolutely. So let me ask you this instead, then. What is your favorite character or, or your favorite Mortal Kombat game? Or do you have one? Well, I'm actually really enjoying MK11 at the moment. It was hard for me to get it dialed in at first, of course. And I also like the uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe because uh, it was actually kind of cool because it was me against me on the cover. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't know, I actually, I actually doubled as Batman. So when I saw Batman versus Scorpion on the cover, 
uh, I thought, wow, all right, me versus no way, me. yeah. Which movie did you double for Batman in? Uh, it was Batman and Robin, the one with Robin, yeah. and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman. I think actually, I think I remember that. As you said that, it clicked. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I like that one. When I saw that one came out, it was pretty cool. When I was growing up, my favorite characters were actually Raiden and Scorpion, and I was actually more of a Raiden guy than a Scorpion guy until. Until I got the part. Uh, <laughs> now I'm slightly biased. <laughs> yeah, now I'm slightly biased, but uh, I used to dig Raiden to be able to shoot the lightning bolts and go flying across the screen. Uh, he was like my favorite one. So you like the little gibberish that he shouted out as he did the, the Superman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're just going to kind of jump into it. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the movies. I mean, the movies have had such an impact on Mortal Kombat as far as the lore goes, as far as the fandom goes, I mean, it was amazing seeing these characters that we had kind of gotten used to to enjoying on the video game, and all of a sudden, they're on the big screen. And you were a huge part of that. Um, and that's kind of, like, skyrocketed your career in a way, I, I would say. Yeah, it, it gave my career a big shot in the arm, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, listen, it was really a lot of fun doing that film, and we, we really, the producers, I, I give them a lot of credit, you know, Larry Kazanoff and his team uh, really wanted to do justice to the video game. And back in that time, several other video game movies, you know, movies that were based on video games had come out and they all bombed. Oh, yes. <laughs> Looking back on them, they were really badly done as far as what they were trying to do. And they, they wanted to deviate maybe from their game's inception where Larry and the people at Threshold really wanted to honor the game and the storyline and the, and the origins. So it was kind of cool. Uh, and the great thing was we had very low expectations at the box office. Like everybody thought, well, this is going to be like uh, Double Dragon. It's going to be like Street Fighter. It's going to tank. No one really knew what we were doing because we kept a lot of the production kind of secret. Uh, and then when it came out, you know, it ended up being the, you know, the number one film, I think for like six weeks in a row. Wow. We were number one at the box office. Wow. Um, we set some rec- We set a ton of records back in that time. And most of the cast were fans of the game. Uh, like I was, and I know Larry was a big fan of the game, and he worked very closely with uh, with Ed and John to make sure that it was as close to the game's line as possible. You were a big fan. I didn't realize that. What did you know about your character before the movies even started? Really not a whole lot. <laughs> not a whole lot. I mean, I knew my character's moves, and I knew how he moved in the game, and that's why uh, I wanted to try and do my best interpretation of what Scorpion was doing in the video game on camera that's cool. i wanted to bring my own I, my own flair to it and and put some extra stuff in there because we wanted to go above and beyond we just didn't want to try and duplicate we wanted to try to honor it and then go next level up and most of the fan feedback that i've gotten has been you know they really appreciate what i did for scorpion and, and that's really what i set out to do i really tried to honor the character and to and to do it some justice and to make it you know larger than life I could definitely see what you're saying uh, and how you tried to honor the character in your actual well, scenes. You you could see that the emotions were sort of, well, video game inspired, yet you kind of took it further. So I can definitely see that and really enjoyed it too. So great job with that. That's really cool, especially because of how Mortal Kombat brought in consultants to ensure that every character had their own fighting style. To, so to see you take what was, you know, originally there in the video game and then use that for your your portrayal of scorpion on the big screen i mean mm-hmm. it, it made a huge difference well thanks I'm, I'm glad to hear that 
So what background information was given to you um, when you were initially cast? Like, did they tell you anything about the character that you're going to be playing as far as how you should be acting and things like that? No. Or even background, which might have helped? No, 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 no. They gave me very, very <laughs> good creative freedom. Um, you know, the only the only argument that I had with them was the fact that uh, when, once I read the script, I'm like, Scorpion loses. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually tried to lobby for another fight. I wanted to have a, another fight where I won, and then I fought Johnny Cage. And we were talking about it. Oh. And we, had some, we had some stuff set up, but – you know, movie productions are on a very tight schedule as mm. well as a very tight budget, even though it was a really big budget film. And we just essentially ran out of time. Uh, to oh, that's that. a shame. That would have been awesome to have another Scorpion fight. Yes, I agree. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I was lobbying for. But no, they just, they said, do your thing. You know, obviously I went through the, the auditioning process and the casting process and all that. And they hired me because they felt I was the right person for the job at that time. You know, and that and that was it. They just said, "Oh, yeah, the only thing that we're going to tell you is you you're going to lose this fight." And I'm like, "That sucks, but I'm still going to make this thing look pretty pretty badass." And then the <laughs> fight choreographer, the guy, uh, the stunt coordinator, fight choreographer, his name's Pat Johnson, who I uh, had the opportunity to work with on a couple other projects. He knew what I was capable of, and with his input and guidance, uh, we put together what I think, anyway, even though I'm a little biased, was probably one of the best fight scenes in the movie. Oh, definitely. Totally agree. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's definitely is in my top three, I would say for sure. I mean, it might even be my favorite. Uh, the the one part of it where, you know, you're fighting in the netherrealm and Scorpion does that rotation stop in midair and, and kicks Johnny Cage in the chest. I was going to bring up the just, same one. I love oh, that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And that was we We kind of came up with that on the fly uh, as we were getting about a quarter of the way through the fight scene. Uh, we were talking about it and we said, you know, what would be cool. Like if, if you threw a kick or something, he caught your leg and flipped you and you flipped around. They're like, can you do that? I go, uh, not for real. But <laughs> and uh, uh, so, it, you know, it all worked out. It was really cool being in that harness and and, uh, and working out some of those pieces. It was really if cool to had... see that way, too, as well, because normally when you have a kick like that, like a sort of flip, the the person doing the flip would land on their feet and then kick. Yep. Whereas you yep. just straight up <laughs> drop kicked him. <laughs> Great little spin on things. Yes. If they had added a uh, extra fight in it, do you know what was the plan? Where was it? A, just a generic character you're going to be fighting, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, like in in the in the temple scene, they have a part where Sub Zero just fights this guy, just freezes the guy, and and makes him explode. Yeah. Well, right after that, I was supposed to also come down and do a thing against another guy. Oh. But that's where <laughs> they ran out of time. Assuming that would have been with the snake or something. Yeah, would have been amazing. <laughs> Speaking of which, what did you think of the uh, the change from the the actual kunai to the snake? I liked it. Yeah, no, I liked it. I thought. Uh, how how did that work in the actual fight scene with the, with the choreography and stuff? Well, it, what we wanted to do, one of the things we wanted to do, and again, just we we ran out of time, is we wanted to try and when we went into Scorpion's lair, we wanted to try and have it come out. You know, maybe do a quick thing, but the way that the you know, you're talking about the the mid to late '90s. the The CGI and the and the graphics weren't capable as capable as they are today, mm. for sure. Um, so we were just kind of strapped with some limitations of well, we can't really do it here. That's why we did it out in the forest, and we were able to uh, to shoot it out there. So it just didn't kind of work out logistically inside of Scorpion's lair. But I liked it. I liked the upgrade of it. And here's the cool part: 
I had no idea what it was going to look like. Ooh. like they, they, gave us, they gave us conceptual art and they said, well, we think this creature is going to come out of your hand instead of a spear. And I go, a creature? And they're like, yeah. And they gave me a couple models of what it would look like. And they're like, just pretend that this thing's coming out of your hand. And I'm like, okay, we got it. Let's do it. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done a few tours in Thailand and kind of gone and revisit a lot of the old Mortal Kombat um, recording sites. Mm-hmm. And I asked Kerry about this in the past, Kerry Tagawa, mm-hmm. um, about the rubber tree forest. He had told me that you guys just kind of found it with the, the cast and crew. They were just out one day and they saw it and were like, this is a, a cool location. Let's just shoot here. Pretty much how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> the other part of it, I don't know if he told you this, but in Thailand, there's a lot of snakes cobras to be specific mm. and they like to hang out in rubber tree plantations and oh. they have so we had a crew of of people from thailand who between scenes would walk through that area with little drums and fire sticks to scare the snakes off <laughs> wow and then they would go, and action and then we'd go into our stuff and you could hear the snakes slithering back to where we scared them away from Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So people go, hey, how'd you do that cartwheel so fast? I'm like, there was a snake like 10 feet away from you. I was moving as quick as possible. So you just didn't use one of the snakes in your hand? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't getting near that. So what was the fight? Uh, what was it like fighting Lyndon Ashby? Because um, he was a novice fighter, right? He didn't have a lot of experience. He did. He did not. But to his credit, and he's he's a really good actor, and he worked really hard. He had like a three month crash course of doing stuff. And again, because he's dedicated to his craft, and a lot of people don't know this, when we stopped filming, uh, not only did we become friends, but he started training with me, and he trained with me for almost two years awesome. after production ended, and he got about halfway to black belt, which was very impressive. I and mean, he was very dedicated. Every week he would show up. Uh, he would do his training, do his work. Uh, he just wanted to get better and better at it, which was really cool. So it was great to work with him. It was great fighting him. And like I said, he and I became friends and, uh, you know, we still talk to this day. So it was a, it was a really good time. Uh, I mean, that's a, another way of answering how MK's affected you as well as Lyndon Ashby. That's really cool to see the ties that it sort of created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the amount of friendships that kind of have developed over that movie. You see, I mean, we see you guys kind of interacting online all the time and it's heartwarming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> i tell you, it's been a really great adventure. It's been a great journey. And I was just doing, a, I did a, a Instagram story interview with uh, Jason David Frank, who was the green ranger and power rangers. You know, he and I share a, a very good history. He was a student of mine for a very, very, very long time. And it's those relationships that you look back on and for him too, with power rangers and with mortal Kombat, like it wouldn't have lasted this long if it wasn't for the fans. Uh, and the people that are out there, you know, supporting the franchises and, and just digging in and be like, this is cool. We love it. And they support it. And that's why, like, I'm always happy to do interviews and things like this, because I really appreciate the fans and the give back that, you know, it's just it, it's you're coming up on a quarter of a century, 25 years for this thing. And it's it's a very profound impact that it's had, you know, not only on me, but on a lot of people. I meet hundreds, thousands of people a year and uh just the, the amount of love and feedback that we get is just great. So I really appreciate it. How did you actually fall into this role? Like, um, how did you get cast as Scorpion? Okay. By accident. <laughs> but it was one of those happy accidents. You know, people always say, oh, you're so lucky you got to play Scorpion. And really, it's especially with things like that, it's not luck. 
it's preparation and opportunity. So I've been in the martial arts my entire life. I started when I was four years old and I competed professionally on the, on the pro tour in the States for a number of years. And I ended up becoming the, the number one competitor in the country and then in the world. But I wasn't supposed to be Scorpion. I was supposed to be one of the background fighters when, because I, after competition, I'm like, I wanted to get started to do movies and Bruce Lee was always my hero. So when I, I was growing up, I'm like, I want to be like Bruce Lee and, and be in the, do martial arts movies. So we got the call for the, the casting and it was for the background fighters. So in the movie where Goro's fighting and uh, then Art Lean is fighting in the ring, there's a bunch of people around the ring cheering. Yeah. So they were looking to fill that because when we went in, they go, all the roles are cast. Like everything's full. We just need background fighters. And I was like, great. I've never been in a major motion picture before. You know, I'd done some small stuff uh, before that, you know, but I never was in a big Hollywood movie. So to be in the background for that, I'm like, this is a cool stepping stone. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it. So we go in for the audition. There's about a hundred, hundred guys there at the audition. Cause they needed, I think they needed 25 or 30 people for background fighters. And the way they had set it up was very much similar to a martial arts tournament. And I had just come off the pro tour. So I was like, great. They had three people sitting in chairs and they had like a ring area. And they said, we just want you to get up and show us your stuff, do your things. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do something that stands out. I watched a few of the guys go before me. They were pretty good. And I'm like, oh man, I got to do something, something different. So I start doing my routine and I realize they're sitting in chairs. So they're only, you know, three, four feet off the ground. And I'm in my head. I'm like, I can, I can make that. I can clear them. So I just ran at him and I did a jump sidekick over their head and I landed on the other side of them. We're not on video, so I can't do, I can't do it justice, but their, head, their heads just went back and their eyes followed me. I can still remember to this day, like slow motion. Then I dove, I did a dive over the top of them, came back and finished my routine. Uh, so that night I get a call that says, Hey, we want you to come back tomorrow for uh, more casting. And I go, okay, cool. So, I go back the second day and they said, bring some weapons with you. And I brought some weapons and did some stuff. Uh, but there was only maybe 25 or 30 guys there. And we're doing some stuff again. So I get a call the second night and they go, Hey, we want you to come back again. I'm like, wow, oh my God, it's so hard. Like I never knew it was this hard to get into a major motion picture. I'm three auditions for a background fighter. Like I'm thinking maybe if they're, they were casting or were doing it. Uh, <laughs> so I go back the third time and now there's just three of us. There's me and two other guys. And they have a movie camera set up and they have five or six people that are just standing around the camera. And I have no idea what this is for, what it's about. And I go, okay, so what are we going to do? And they go, we just want you to stand there. And I go, okay, stand there. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of filming us with the camera and they go into like a little football huddle. And uh, a guy walks over to me who ended up being the director. I didn't know because I didn't know any of these people. I've only been there twice and it just didn't really meet anybody. Uh, this guy walks up and he goes, uh, would you guys mind taking off your shirts? This is where the story turns because I'm a little bit of a smart ass. So, and I was very nervous. So to break the tension, I thought I would make a joke. So he goes, Hey, would you guys mind taking your shirt off? And I go, well, if it'll help, I'll also come to your trailer afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so that laugh was the, the, what I was expecting. Dead stare. Dead stare. <laughs> and I just went, I'm done. I'm like, I'm, this is over. <laughs> so, that joke just fell flat. Like nobody laughed. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> so we take, we take off our shirts. And of course I'm in really good shape. I've been doing martial arts my whole life. I look to my left guy, on my left, a little bit of a pot belly. I look to my right guy, on my right, 
he's a little heavier set. And I'm, I'm like inhaling, flexing, trying to be like, <laughs> so they take the camera and again, they're panning body face and they go back and they go into this like football huddle again. And the guy who asked me the shirt question, who ends up being Paul Anderson, the director, he walks over, he shakes my hand and he goes, welcome to Mortal Kombat. You're going to be Scorpion. Yeah. And it happened just like that. So I had no idea. Uh, They told us all the roles were filled. Looking back on it, I'm actually kind of, I don't know if they were or not. And something happened to one of the other actors. I, I have no idea to this day, but had they said, we're trying to cast Scorpion and Sub-Zero and Reptile. If they had told me that, I probably would have gotten so nervous that I would have maybe freaked out. Now, I don't know. I was used to competition and doing those things, but it really, and then it didn't hit me for like five minutes. I was like, okay, cool. And I walked out and I walked out of the building. And right as I put my hand on the doorknob to open the door, I just remember getting this big ear to ear grin. Like I was like the Joker in Batman. I couldn't stop. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be Scorpion. So I get home and I, and I get on the phone and I call my mom. I go, mom, 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 I got in this movie, this big Hollywood movie uh, called Mortal Kombat. I'm going to be Scorpion. And she goes, oh, that's great, honey. That's great. What's a Scorpion? <laughs> <laughs> so now, of course, she knows. But, uh, but back then, I was, I was, moms weren't big fans of video games. I would say the same with uh, my mom right now. Still not a fan of video games. But <laughs> that is crazy, though. I mean... Just the fact that you weren't even expecting any of that, that is the craziest way to get the role. So would you return to the role of Scorpion again, assuming that the uh, <laughs> the casting was a bit different? So the question is, would I return to Scorpion? And the answer, without a doubt, is yes. I would love the opportunity to do that again. I know that they have worked on, they're rebooting the franchise, and typically in a reboot, uh, they move away from the original cast. So I don't know what direction that they're going. However, I, if the movie does well, they might do something else with it, some kind of spin-off or, or whatever. But uh, I would love the opportunity to do that. I was very fortunate. I got to do Scorpion in the film. I got to do the TV series, Mortal Kombat Conquest, where I got to reprise my role as Scorpion. We got to do some origin stories on Scorpion uh, as well as that. And I even uh, got to do the, some of the animated stuff, not in this current one, but in the previous versions of the animated series. I got to uh, do the mocap and the voiceover for Scorpion in that. So... I, it's been a great run, and, and I've really had an amazing time with it. I would love to continue to do it um, and, and continue to do it justice. And, you know, a lot of the fans are like, oh, they should, you should do a cameo, you should do a cameo. Like, even if we did a cameo, it would be pretty cool uh, to For do sure. that. And I think the fans would definitely appreciate that because we've got some very loyal and dedicated fan following from Mortal Kombat. So that would be that would be great. So the, that's a long answer, but the answer is yes. I would love that. the long answers are the best kind. Don't worry. <laughs> so I take it you you love the movie. Looking back on it, even now, how it turned out and everything. I do, I do, I do. It it was it was a perfect storm of the right people at the right time, the right production, uh, the soundtrack. Like the soundtrack was even number one. Like the movie was number one. The soundtrack was number one. So it was just it was just a perfect storm of of events that. You know, and the cast all came great. together. Yeah, it all came together, and uh, yeah, I, oh, that's great. But uh, I mean, considering how into the role you were, how come you didn't uh, return to Scorpion and Annihilation, the sequel? Okay, so here's the story on that. I was I was actually the first one cast for Annihilation, right? Huh. Uh, Larry Kasnoff, the the producer and and his company Threshold. Uh, I got the call. Hey, we're doing another one. We want you in. Boom. Done. I'm like, yes, Larry. Great. He took a chance on me in the first one. And uh, I am forever grateful for him for doing that. But uh, I was like, yes. And literally five days after 
he called me. I got a call from uh, Warner Brothers. They were doing, they were looking for someone to double George Clooney in Batman and Robin. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, Batman. Like that's a hundred million dollar film, which today really isn't that much. But at the time it was a huge budget film. And I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to work on it. And I had done, uh, you know, a couple other things between the first Mortal Kombat and the second. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm just going to go in. Let's, let's see what happens. So I go in, I meet the director. He's like, oh my God, you're perfect. You, George Clooney and I are literally the same height. We have the same chin. And then he's all, just let me see some of your stuff. So I did some of the stuff. And he's like, oh my God, perfect. So he goes, all right, we're going we're gonna to use you. You're going to be, you're going to double. You're going to do all the fight, all fight scenes as Batman. I'm like, wow, that's like a dream come true, right? <laughs> I'm, one of, I'm one of 12 people probably on the planet that has ever worn the Batsuit, right? And it, it's cool because people ask me all the time, like, what's it like? I'm like, it's awesome. And the first thing that you want to do when you have the suit on, by the way, it takes about an hour to put that suit on. <laughs> the first thing that you want to do once it's on is you want, you want to find a mirror and you want to look at yourself and just practice going, I'm Batman. <laughs> I don't even blame you. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'd probably do the exact same thing. Oh, I, I was like, when, when they were done and they screwed it in with all these, I'm like, where's the mirror? <laughs> so, so I got the part, I got the thing for Batman and then they go, okay, so we're going to shoot from, from June to uh, August. And Larry had said, okay, we're going to start in September for Mortal Kombat. I'm like, oh my God, dream come true. I get to do Batman. I'm done with Batman. I get to do Mortal Kombat too. That's the perfect world. Hollywood is not a perfect world. Production schedules, cast, crew, all get changed all the time. So what happened was they ended up filming at the exact same time. So I had to make a choice. And I called Larry and I'm like, Larry, listen, this is a, like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I would love to do the second one. He's like, listen, don't worry. Cause we're probably going to do a third one. You're going to be in the third one. Um, I understand, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was very gracious to me. So then I went and did Batman and uh, we filmed at the same time. And that's why that's the reason why I didn't, wasn't able to reprise the scorpion in uh, annihilation. That's such a shame, but at the same time, a great uh, opportunity for you. So totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and people say all the time, "Well, the, the fight scene in in that wasn't that good with score." And 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 honestly, it's because I wasn't there. We had a we had a huge, huge, huge fight scene, like three of them for Scorpion planned uh, in Ooh. that film. But uh, they they ran into some casting issues, and they ran into a couple other challenges during the the filming of Annihilation. And uh, you know, I love the franchise and love this stuff. Unfortunately, Annihilation didn't work out to be, you know, as I'll say as good as the original Mortal Kombat movie but um did you check it out i did i did yeah so i i think we can gather your feeling it, it didn't turn out as as uh as well as we all hoped it is still nice to look back on but at the same time yeah i think what happened at the time is they were just trying to get they're trying to get too many characters into the film so you kind of lose track of well who's this guy who's this guy and it, there really wasn't a lot of backstory development which which kind of endears you to the characters um you know, where Mortal Kombat just essentially focused on, you know, Sonya, Johnny, uh, Liu Kang and their journey and how they got there. This one was kind of a little more broader. All over the place, sort of. Yeah. That may have been some of the some of the challenges that it had. But do you find it interesting that the guy who took your role as well, Scorpion in, the, in Annihilation in the end uh, ended up playing well against you as you returned to the role of Scorpion in Conquest? <laughs> uh jj perry is a great dude and uh he, he and i are great friends even to this day 
Uh, and he's gone on to do some some really cool stuff. He just finished uh, did the Bloodshot movie with Vin Diesel, and uh, he's now a, like an action director and things like that. But JJ, he's a super talented dude. He was a uh, an Olympic level Taekwondo athlete and uh, just a really all around really great guy. Must have been interesting, you know, wearing your scorpion gear again in Conquest, and then coming across JJ dressed in the blue. <laughs> yeah, well, he and I had known each other for for some some time, and. Uh, you know, he was excited about getting the opportunity to do Sub-Zero in that. And I was pumped, man. Once once they said, hey, Larry called me and goes, we're doing a TV show and we're going to be shooting in Florida and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I am in 100%. And I'm not anything else. Let's go do this. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Listen, I had a great, great time working on that TV series. So with Conquest, I mean, which did you prefer? Did you enjoy making the movie more or the uh, series? Well, listen, I loved making the movie simply because, again, it was my first really big break in Hollywood. It was great to meet all those people to work with that. But I got to tell you, I had much more fun working on Conquest because, A, I'd already done the character. So I was kind of more at ease with myself and and how I was going to run it. And B, every week I opened up the script, there's a scorpion fight. So I'm like, let's go. I was kicking people's butt the whole the TV series. So as far as looking back on quality of fights and, and the stuff that we did, like I really enjoyed the the Conquest TV series. Uh, Conquest has a special place in, in our hearts. I mean, that series, I just loved it. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the process for you getting into character um, for Scorpion during the series? Was it kind of different from your experience of being Scorpion in the movies since you kind of had a little bit more background by that point? Yeah, it was, it was easier. Uh, it was a much more shooting, uh, episodic television is it's a more fast paced thing than a movie where a movie you're working on basically a one hour, you know, or two hour thing over the course of three or four months. This is, you're doing a 30 minute TV show in four or five days. So it's very fast paced. You don't have a lot of downtime in those things. The other thing that was much easier about conquest versus the movie was in the years between contacts improved a lot. The contact lenses that I wore in the movie, I hated them, hated them because they were huge. And it was crazy because it took three people to put those contact lenses in my eye. Oh, wow. Someone had to hold my top lid. Someone had to hold my bottom lid. Someone had to put them in. However, in the series, they had streamlined the contact lens process for film and I was able to put them in myself. So it was like, bing, bing in like a minute it was a piece of cake. I could see better in them. Um, so that part of it was, was a lot easier. Could you see very well in the movie ones? I mean, no. or were you practically blind? I couldn't see three feet in front of me. It was like being in London in their heaviest fog. <laughs> so I just, want to tell people, I just want to tell people, I did that fight scene practically blindfolded. <laughs> wow. Did, did that result in any accidents or um, any kind of injuries? No, the only the only accident we had was uh, Lyndon accidentally punched me in the head <laughs> during one part of the fight scene. <laughs> he says it was an accident, right? <laughs> yeah. he, well, listen, he again, the, the difference between someone that's trained for fighting and someone that's that's trained for movie fighting is when he hit me in the head, he freaked out. He was like, oh, my God, I'm so he, he stopped. I was like, let's keep going. Like I get hit in the head for a living. Like, this is nothing. Like, you barely hit me. Let's just keep rocking. And he's like, oh, uh, you freaked out. So we had to, we had to stop the scene and do it. And, uh, <laughs> you were like, that's a great shot. Keep going. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, good hit, man. Let's go. 
So looking at how much more martial arts were sort of embraced in Conquest in comparison to the movie, how did you feel about the fight scenes in that? Because it seemed like you had a lot more freedom and uh, obviously a lot longer fight scenes in Conquest. Yes, I, I got a ton of freedom, uh, a ton of longer fight scenes. The only challenge with TV, like I said, because it moves so fast, is you don't have a chance to do as much coverage. So some of the fight scenes, even though they're long and we got to do some stuff, they don't play out as well as the movie because, you know, in a movie you're covering one fight from seven different angles. And for example, the fight scene between Lyndon and I inside Scorpion's Lair, it took us four weeks to film that fight. Now, I think the whole thing is maybe five minutes long from beginning to end, but that's a month of filming. So you get coverage from every angle, from every position, you know, from Scorpion's point of view, from uh, Johnny Cage's point of view, from high, from low, slow motion, fast. So you really have the time to get in depth in a movie fight versus a TV fight. But other than that, like when Scorpion wins, I'm two thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as a martial artist myself, I definitely appreciated the martial arts actually coming to life in Conquest. And I really enjoyed your fight scenes, especially your fight scene with, well, J.J. Perry as uh, Sub-Zero. That was, I feel like one of, one of your moves, you did a sort of backflip with mm -hmm. uh, Sub-Zero. And I feel like that actually sort of possibly inspired a sort of backflip flame kick, which Scorpion got in Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. You could be right. <laughs> Both of us were rewatching some of the old episodes of Conquest. Um, and the the way that they would do some of the editing too like we guys would do backflips off the of pillars and stuff but then they would reverse it so it looks like you're yeah. doing like a moral comment <laughs> jump onto them right it, it was so great yeah. <laughs> yeah some of it some of it's a little just a little tiny cheesy but you know, that's the essence they, of Mortal Kombat, though. You expect yeah, they got to move fast and stuff and I'll tell you when we did the the build up to the fight between Sub Zero and I a lot of people were excited about that because obviously it didn't happen in the movie uh, in the first one and people wanted to see that when we were filming that when jj and i were filming that we had it was the most crowded i've ever seen a movie set like there were people all around watching it uh just to see you know what we were going to do because jj and i we were kind of cool about it we had to show what we were doing to the director and the the dp because they had to know how to cover it and where to shoot but really didn't show it to anyone else and we spent, you know, we spent a good couple, we knew it was coming. So we'd spent a couple of weeks putting this fight scene together uh, to make sure it was, was as epic as people wanted it to be. It definitely turned out that way. Absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. Now, before I ask my next question, Yanni, do you want to kind of give our listeners a little background on Takeda? All right. Well, in the games, the actual lore behind the name Takeda is that he was the founder of the Shire Ryu, which is Scorpion's clan which was pretty much decimated. Um, but the way that they sort of worked Takeda into Mortal Kombat Conquest is that Takeda is sort of the body which the soul of Scorpion has taken over for Scorpion to return to Earthrealm. And that is the role that Chris Casamasa was playing. And so, yeah, my question is, how did it feel going from, you know, playing a a role like Takeda, being able to play a role without a mask and everything, and then um, transitioning that role into being full-on Scorpion? Um, it was great. I was so happy to get that, that backstory to do that. It was also great to not wear a mask. I'd worn a mask in Mortal Kombat. I wore a mask in Batman. <laughs> um, so I was like, no mask? I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, when you guys were in masks, um, you still had speaking roles and things like that. Did mm-hmm. you do your own voiceovers? Because uh, I believe for the movies, didn't they just use Ed Boon's voice and uh, yeah, kind of double? They, yeah, they wanted to keep it authentic, so it was it was uh, Ed's voice, I believe, in the in the movies. When we did got the TV show, uh, they actually let me do it, which was kind of cool. So I get to spend some time in the recording booth because obviously, when you're wearing the mask, your voice doesn't play no matter how good the mic is. So that was a lot of that voiceover was in uh, post production. But it was me. That's cool. Yeah, I, I was listening to you today saying get over here to, to Sub-Zero. I was uh, <laughs> walking up and then Sub-Zero starts giving snarky responses. I was like, oh, yeah. that sounds like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, so for, with the costumes and stuff, were those the actual same costumes that you guys got to wear during the movie? Or did they have to reproduce all that? They reproduced it. Wow. I thought it was the same. Yeah, I thought they had just kind of kept over some of the stuff to reduce production costs. Uh, Sub-Zero's mask was actually different in Conquest. Wow. Yeah, they reproduced it because they had to have, so for, especially for an action franchise like this, they have to have what they call beauty suits and stunt suits. So mm. they made, I think at one point there was seven or eight different Scorpion outfits, depending on where they were shooting. There was close-up shots, far away shots. Mm. If we're falling off of something, that's a different one. Um, because continuity wise, it's all got to match. So if there's only one suit that you're using for everything, then it gets ruined. Then you're kind of messed up. So uh, they, 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 I know they reproduced a lot of that for the team. Did you get to keep any of them? Uh, Legally, I must say no. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's a shame. (laughs) People, people ask me, people ask me that all the time. Do you have your stuff? Do you have your stuff? I'm like, uh, I wish I had all of it. I, that, I can honestly say I don't have all of it. I wish I, I wish I did, um, but I don't. I mean, the series uh, fans loved it. I've seen it more times than I can count. I genuinely <laughs> lost count of how many times I've seen it. So, how did you feel after it was done recording? Like when you got to see the final product? I, I loved it. Listen, I was hoping for a se- second and third season, but again, as oh, we all were. As <laughs> things happen there was a, there was a from what i can figure out and, and and have heard over the years there was a battle kind of between warner brothers and the production company that was working on the episodic version of it so they couldn't agree to terms money money rules in hollywood when it comes to things like that because we were number one the tv show was number one in its time slot um they had already greenlit the second season with potentially a third season to go so i was pumped i was like oh this is gonna be awesome but uh, it just kind of fell apart in the off season as far as they couldn't come to terms of an agreement. And, uh, mm. Do you do you remember where you were or what you, what you were thinking when you found out that the uh, second season or that it wasn't getting it renewed? Uh, I was on the set of Blade with Wesley Snipes when I found out. So uh, I was I was totally bummed because I'm like in this in the series, especially in the second series. I think because we shot 13 episodes at a time, five of the episodes had scorpion fights in it. So I'm like. Mm-hmm. I don't even need to be the main character. I'm just going to keep going Scorpion because I'm going to take over this whole franchise. I, I had plans, <laughs> plans to take over the world as Scorpion should. But, um, you know, I was working on another project when I heard the news. So I was bummed out. But, um, you know, I kept going, kept kept moving forward. That's awesome. It is such a shame that it didn't get to return for follow-up seasons. I mean, I still, every time I rewatch that show, and I don't normally rewatch shows, this one holds a special place in my heart. I just always feel bummed out that, there's not going to be a follow-up to how it ended. Me too. (laughs) 
the set designs, I mean, everything about that show, they, they managed to capture a world that um, well, wasn't that common. Except you might see something like that kind of like on Xena or Hercules, like this whole different world that we're not used to. But I think Mortal Kombat captured that in a whole new way. Um, like Mortal Kombat Conquest did. Yeah, the sets were really cool. I mean, they did a great job. You know, and obviously the budget for a TV show is way less than a than a movie. But we had really good cinematographers, um, the 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 lighting crew that came in, the production crew. It was all again, it was one of those perfect storms that was working out. But uh, for whatever reason, it's funny because you had a, uh, I mean, a smaller budget, but in Conquest you actually got to use Scorpion's sort of fire powers. Right. So that was right, really right. cool to see with the fireballs and everything. So. And that was one of those things that you ask for and you hope that they say yes. And, <laughs> Thank you for asking for it. Yeah, fortunately they did. Because <laughs> that's what I was saying. I was like, when we were on the set, I'm like, okay, so we did this in the first one, but we didn't do this. But now Scorpion, his character can do these things. Can we make it happen? So then go, we got to check. We don't know if we got the budget. We got to check. Then they come back. All right, we can do it. We can do it. Well, glad you asked. It was worth it. Yeah, we wanted to use Sub-Zero's freezing powers. We wanted to use Scorpion's fire powers. Um, the vanishing part, uh, we wanted to put all that in there. So we built it in and just asked, and then they kept saying yes, and we kept going forward. <laughs> Great approach. So since your time on Mortal Kombat, I mean, you've done so many movies um, and, and TV shows too. Like you've done work for so many different things and, and your stunt career has just kind of exploded too. And then also you guys recently got a funding for legend of the white dragon mm -hmm. is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about any projects that you're working on or do you want to tell us a little bit more about some of these upcoming things that you've been doing yeah well legend of the white dragon is going to be pretty cool pretty cool and i got a bunch of dms actually yesterday because we did an interview and like is scorpion going to be in it and the answer to that is the guy who plays scorpion is going to be in it <laughs> but the scorpion character is wholly owned by warner brothers now and they are very protective of their property so uh I don't believe the actual character Scorpion will be in there, but I'm going to be in there. So there's going to be a, a virtual uh, Green Ranger versus Scorpion fight that's going to happen in there. It's going to be pretty, pretty cool, pretty epic. That's really all I can say at this point because I don't want to do any spoilers. But um, but Jason and I are going to fight on screen. And that's we've got cool. A pretty, Sounds awesome. Pretty cool fight planned out between the two of us. That'll be wrapped around the whole movie and the and the. The whole project, Legend of the White Dragon. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty awesome. After that, uh, depending on when we get out of this quarantine nonsense, I've got another project planned with the original production team from Mortal Kombat. Uh, they're doing a, a project called Raptor, which is going to just be when it gets done and when it comes out, it's going to blow people away. You said that as the original production team from Mortal Kombat. Yes, I. I'm very intrigued now. <laughs> very, very intrigued. So um, let me ask you, what is your favorite finishing move? What's your favorite finisher, fatality, brutality? Well, it's not Scorpion's most difficult one, but it's one of it's one of my favorites, and that's the chain reaction. Oh, yes. That's a great one. Good. I mean, I, I am glad that it did go to Scorpion's finisher. <laughs> it was very <laughs> fitting. <laughs> but, well, uh, would you mind giving us Scorpion's famous catchphrase and saying, get over here? Well, I will, but it probably won't sound the same because my voice is being run through different uh, filters to make it sound that good. <clears throat> Get over here! That sounded, oh. that sounded great to me. I just got Mortal Kombat Conquest flashback. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Chris, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys for uh, for having me on and keep up your great work. I know that you guys are working on uh, a Mortal Kombat encyclopedia, which is pretty cool. I'm very pumped about that. I can't wait to see it. Um, so keep up the great work on that. Keep doing this, uh, this podcast. And uh, I just want to say to all the fans and everybody listening, wherever you are in the world, I appreciate you and I thank you because I couldn't have come this far if it wasn't for the support that I've gotten from people just like you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for stopping by. Just uh, so everybody's aware, Realmcast is a bi-weekly podcast. You can find myself and Yanni on the Mortal Kombat group on Facebook. Go ahead and come join us. And you can also find Yanni on the Mortal Kombat Meme Realm. You can listen to all episodes of the Realmcast on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you very much. 